0: You are listening to Off the Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam Banks.
1: Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show and thank you for tuning in to WLXU 93.9 LPFM Lexington. If this is your first time tuning in, I personally want to say welcome. Happy to have you. This talk radio show is nothing short of what you want to hear, and this show has something for everyone. So keep it locked right here for the next 60 minutes as we discuss some of the hottest topics trending. You can check out our Facebook live stream at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, or if you are out of the Lexington area, you can download the WLXU app on your smartphone device. Amber Turner is in the studio with me. Amber, how are you today? I am good, how are you? Doing wonderful, uh, thank you for being here. It's an awesome atmosphere here in the studio. It's I feel like the morale is really good here. Everybody- Everybody's in a good mood today. Everybody is in a really good mood. We had a fifteen-minute conversation with our program director outside about tacos, about good tacos, about good tacos. I, th- I feel like everybody's uh, vibing well. Everything is going well. A lot of exciting things happening around Lexington Community Radio, this radio station, and I don't know how I feel about it. I'm excited, but then again, it's change, and anyone who knows me knows that. I do like change when it's positive change. Yeah. When when it makes sense and when it's making things better. But I'm also a little... Nervous? A, a little, nervous when, a little it, nervous when it comes to change, because you don't really know what's going to happen. It's the unknown.
2: Well, yeah. The unknown will get you every time.
1: But this is exciting. So, Lexington Community Radio, we're getting a new studio, hopefully, at the beginning of the year, 2020. And what a way to start off the new decade is a brand new studio. And I'm just envisioning this studio to be a studio that's it's uh, on the high-rise top floor of a building, (laughs) downtown Lexington, and you can see the city. You can see all the buildings and the traffic, and it probably is not going to be like that. Probably not. But it's wishful thinking. It, hey, positive thinking. But it has changed. I'm used to everything here. Like, I feel like that when I say goodbye to this soundboard that's sitting in front of me and I have to say hello to a new one, I'm just going to have to have my goodbyes with it. <laughs> I'm going to have to take some time out to say goodbye to the soundboard. <laughs> but we're moving into a new studio. I'm excited for that. They say that it should be around the first of the year, so January, February, Okay, we'll be able to check it out. What's exciting about that is the studio is going to be open more on a 24-hour level, so you're going to have some late-night programming. Okay. And there's times that there's some new time slots opening up for off-the-cuff, possibly. I don't know. I've kind of got used to this 4 p.m. time slot, and I think our 4 p.m. drivers, our commuters around 4 p.m. will be disappointed if we left.
2: Well, and we have a routine right now, so.
1: We do. But we are getting a new studio at the beginning of of the year. Also, we, and I really don't know how I feel about this, but here at WLXU, we're getting a new Boss, We are. We're getting a new program manager. And our fearless leader, Mary Clark, will be leaving. She's continuing her education at the University of Kentucky, so she's going to go get her master's. And we are going to be getting a new boss here. And have you ever heard the expression, don't trade the devil you know for the devil you don't know? yo yep. Not saying by any means that our boss is a devil. No. She's chill as can be. She's sweet. Very sweet, like her. But it's the unknown. When you get a new boss Things change. Oh, yeah. Things can change. Things do change in your company. I mean, that awesome morale that we were talking about a while ago, a new boss can impact that tremendously. Oh, yeah.
2: And I don't know. I think kind of what we've got going is really chill. We Mm -hmm. get to come in. We get to have a little conversation. And then we get to come in here and we get to do what we love. So I just hope nobody comes in and kind of messes with that flow.
1: Well, I wonder if... The new boss is going to allow me to be as free as what I've been here on this show. I mean, is the new boss going to allow me to wear Beavis and Button shirts? You know, I don't know. (laughs) Is the new boss? I think what you have on today would be approved. Oh, the WLXU shirt? Yeah, you're rocking the station shirt. I do. And and, uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage shirts, the Hulk Hogan shirts that I wear. Are are they Anybody going to be okay who with? doesn't like the whole cogan shirt go home Are they going to be okay with that the new boss you don't know I mean you don't know the dress code could be different he might the new boss might not want me to bring a monster to drink in here into the studio you just don't know what kind of new how things are going to change when a new boss comes
2: Oh and a new boss can change
1: Everything. It can. So, at the, we are expected to have a new boss in here at the station around August, September. So, we do look forward to that. But yeah, a new boss, and not saying that it could happen here, but you know, you've been in business, you've worked a, a, over 10 years of work experience. You know that when you work in a toxic work environment, how much of an impact it has on your daily life. Oh, man. <laughs> a toxic workplace can be defined as any job where the work, the atmosphere, the people, or any combination of those things cause serious disruptions in the rest of your life. I've had bad jobs. Oh, bad jobs.
2: I, I think had, that's all I've ever had.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've had bad jobs where I have been in toxic work environments. I mean, it's really taken a, a toll on my health. I mean, it really it can make you sick toxic workplaces it can make you tired it can make you burn out and it can literally physically make you sick
2: oh I can't tell you how many times I found myself going to the ER at my previous employment place is, of employment and is it worth it no it absolutely was not I mean absolutely was not we were we were bought by a bigger company and they did not care that I had probably spent five thousand dollars going to the ER because I'd stressed myself out they didn't care they said okay Bye. And the thing about toxic environments
1: is it doesn't have to be a bunch of people to cause a toxic no, environment. No, one person. One person can ruin it for all. One person. Yep. And it's really bad when that one person can be your boss. Yeah. I. You know, I don't know that I've had,
2: like, a direct boss that was bad. I will say that I did work at one laboratory that was absolutely atrocious. Wow. Uh but I have found that just people in power in general, if they're toxic, it can kill the whole vibe.
1: Uh, oh yeah, you can have a narcissistic leader. Yep. someone who's always right. They it's their way or the highway. I mean, and, and if you have a bad boss. They're not doing anything to help the situation.
2: no, they're not. so there is a difference between a boss and a leader. You know, a boss is someone who tells you what to do. A leader is someone who shows you what to do. yeah. and I feel like we don't have enough leaders today.
1: Uh, not a, there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians.
2: not enough Indians. That's exactly right. yeah, you know. I find that people are more concerned with having power in positions than what they are actually accomplishing the goal that they took that position to do. You know, if you take a position because you want to better a company, better the company. Don't don't build your ego every day when you come in.
1: Be aware. Look around your environment. Look around your workplace to see if you are in a toxic environment. Are people smiling? Are people laughing? Are people genuinely happy to be there? If they are, you're probably safe. You're not in a toxic work environment. But if you are finding yourself uh, in the midst of all kinds of rumors and gossip and clicks, then you are probably involved in a toxic work environment. And if you are, I'm going to tell you some ways that you can handle a toxic work environment uh, the first thing you should do if you find yourself working in a toxic work environment you need to find people who feel the same way you do there's other people in the company that feel the same way you do they they feel like they're being talked about they feel like that they are are, are being bogged down by negativity you need to bond a relationship with the people that feel the same way. There's other people out there that feel just like you do. And it's nice to have somebody to talk to and form friendships with so you don't have to go through it by yourself.
2: Oh, no, I definitely I agree with you
1: on that. It's important to have a work-life balance.
2: Yes. um, Unfortunately, when you do take on some of these, I call them middle management because I was middle management. When you take on that role, it's very difficult to have that work-home life. I found myself spending more work than home ever.
1: You need to, if, if possible... Focus on your job as much as you can. Focus on the tasks at hand. Make a to-do list if you have to. Stay busy. Don't focus on the clicks and the gossip and the rumors. Just stay there and do your job. Keep busy as much as you can. But
2: how can you do that when everybody around you is you know, consistently creating drama? Yeah. Like, I am a woman, but I never again want to work with a group of women. I'm sorry, but you put us all together and, and things pop off. I've
1: worked with... All women before it, it can have its. I can see where things can um, end up toxic when you have a bunch of women, and I want to be very careful when I address this. It's just, well, I'm going to let you. it. Well, take no, the I can it. say it. I yeah. can say
2: it. You know, there, there's, you know, there's a quote that I enjoy. It says, "Fix another woman's crown without telling the world it was crooked," and unfortunately, kind of. The society that we live in now, we thrive on breaking down other people because somewhere in our head, we feel like it makes us feel better. It does not. Ladies, it will not make you feel better tonight if you are rude to someone. So let's just be
1: nice to each other. Fix Uh, somebody's crown. I've always said this. You do not have to be nice to someone. Just don't be mean. Just don't actively try to do negative things to them. Don't impact their life at all. Yeah. And what you need to do, if you do find yourself in in a toxic work environment, you should start planning your exit strategy. You need to start planning on a way to get out.
2: Exactly, because if it's going
1: on when you're there, more than likely it will continue to go on. Yeah. It's not going to change. It's, I mean, there unless you do a whole revamp. I mean, it could be the management in place. It might not be the management. It might be one. It might be two people that is causing this toxic work environment. And until they're gone, it's always going to be bad. But what you should do is you should start planning your exit strategy. Start applying for other jobs. And if it really becomes too much and it's bogging you down so much that your work life is having such a negative balance or such having such a negative impact on you, it's not worth it quit the job, and take something part-time until you find something else. Exactly. We only have one life to live.
2: It does not just affect you. I think that's what people forget is it does not just affect you. A bad day at work will affect everybody in your life, everybody that you come in contact with during that day, your husband, your wife, your
1: friend, your children. You're going to take that out on them. You spend 60%... I would dare say 60% of your life working. Yeah. Your job becomes your life. You need to make sure you like what you do. Yep. If you are not fortunate enough to be in a job where you love what you do, at least I hope you are happy in doing what you are doing for the time being. If you're not, life is too short. Yep. And I'm telling you, if you quit, they will have you replaced in 2 weeks. In,
2: in 2 days. You're just an,
1: and it's not Worth your health? It's not worth your mental capacity to have all of that pressure. No. So get out of the toxic work environment. No, nope. don't if work you at them. Are in one, and unfortunately, toxic work environments can lead to worse things. And it brings up my next topic: the Virginia Beach shooting. And I don't necessarily know. I don't think it's fair to say that the employee was disgruntled because there's been no proven fact that he was actually targeting these victims because he was disgruntled, but he was obviously not happy in his workplace and he took it out on the people at work. And when we come back from our first commercial break, we're going to talk about it right here on Off the Cuff. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in the studio with me. So before the break, we were talking about disgruntled employees working in toxic work environments, which brings up this next topic, the shooting, the tragic shooting that happened at Virginia Beach. It happened at the Virginia Beach Municipal Center, which is a city building. Dwayne Craddock, was the shooter. He was a certified professional engineer in the city's public utilities department for 15 years. He was 40 years old. And I think a little tidbit of information that you should know is the morning of the attack, he sent his boss a resignation letter via email. He resigned from his position. Yep. Craddock's supervisor asked him uh, if uh, Craddock's supervisor asked him why he was resigning. And Craddock just told his boss that he was quitting for personal reasons. He never really elaborated more than that. And then he just went on with his daily routine at work. And a person that worked there, Joseph Scott, said he worked with a shooter for several years. And he saw him that day, just like he did every day in the bathroom, brushing his teeth. Okay. Yeah, he brushed his teeth in the bathroom and wished him a good day. And then around 4 p.m., Amber. He embarked on a rampage in building number two of the Virginia Beach Municipal Center, turning its offices into a battleground. And all, some of the some of the people that worked in the building, they survived the attack by barricading themselves in an office and putting desks and chairs in front of the door to keep him out. But he ended up killing twelve people inside of that building, and it's tragic. I mean, totally tragic, uh, and it was people that he had worked with day, on a daily basis. It's people that he knew. And it it wasn't
2: like he did not have this planned. It went from people who had worked there for like what somebody had been there for almost 40 years, I think, and then another person had only been there for maybe like a couple of months, six months, so this was not like he picked out all of the people that you know he had worked
1: with for long years. No, and what what gets me is his performance was satisfactory. He was in good standing within the department, and he had no issues of ongoing discipline. So, I want to be very careful that I want to say he was disgruntled just because he wasn't in bad standing and he wasn't written up doesn't mean that he wasn't disgruntled. But he took out his violence on his coworkers. So I think that it had to be something to do with his workplace. Probably
2: the workplace, maybe not so much the people. I mean, I'm sure we're going to find out more, you know, kind of as the weeks turn into months, you know, kind of what his actual agenda
1: was. But... It came out out of nowhere. I mean, they said that this guy, this shooter, was a nice guy. He was genuinely a nice guy. They said around the holidays, he bought all of the administrative staff boxes of candy. Okay. And, I mean, he was just a nice guy. And for him, just one Friday afternoon... Was it Friday? Uh, It was the 31st of May, so that was actually like a Tuesday. Just one random day, he just decided to open fire and kill the people that he worked with. And... He, the people who survived it, the ones that barricaded themselves in the office, when the cops arrived and told them it was safe to clear the building, they had to step over the bloody bodies of their coworkers to get out.
2: I could not imagine working itself is hard enough, but that would probably be the furthest thing from my mind. Is hey, am I going to get shot when I go into work
1: today? They found two legally purchased uh, guns: a forty-five caliber pistol and. Well, no, it was 245 caliber, caliber pistols. He just had 245 caliber pistols. And he legally bought them, so it wasn't an illegal buy, and he uh did his shooting with those pistols. So it wasn't like an extreme like mass weapon of destruction that he used.
2: No, it was just a normal person who who had issues, who had a problem, and that was the only way he saw he could fix that problem. And I hate that. I hate that for everybody involved, you know, himself included. I wish, you know, maybe if he was having some of these thoughts, he could have, like, sought out help or, you know, maybe talked to somebody.
1: The victims was Richard Nettleton. He was Craddock's boss. Herbert Snelling was a contractor. He wasn't even there to work. He didn't even work in the building. He was just there to get a permit. And out of all 12 people, he was the only one that didn't work there. So he was just there. He was just wrong place, wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. Laquita Brown, Mary Louise Gale, and Alexander Guzev were all right-of-way agents who worked for the city's public works works department. Uh, Tara Gallagher, Christopher Rapp were engineers. Uh, Joshua Hardy was an engineering tech. Ryan Keith Cox was an accountant clerk and Michael Langer was an administrative assistant and Robert Bobby Williams was a 41 year old veteran 41 year veteran not 41 years old he worked there 41, For 41 years. years 41 years very sad i mean i i don't it it's happening more often than not these shootings it's happening in movie theaters it's happening at work it's happening in schools it's happening in shopping malls. In shopping malls, and
2: when you're just out with your family, you know, in restaurants. And
1: where are we safe? Well, I don't know if there's a place that we are truly safe because it could really happen anywhere. But let me tell you something if you are ever faced with. A situation like this, if you ever have to come in contact with an active shooter, I just want to give you a couple of things that you can do to make yourself a little safer. One thing you need to do is you need to maintain situational awareness. In other words, get your head out of your phone. Look around. Pay attention to your surroundings. Pay attention to where the exits are. Do you ever do that? Do you ever walk in and I have to know where my exits pay are pay attention to where the exits are I do when I go to the casino and I sit down to play poker I look to see where the exits are I look to see what door I could possibly run out of if somebody starts shooting yeah that's sad and it sounds a little hostile no. and outrageous but in the day that we're living in you have to do that
2: no I don't think that sounds most most people would think oh you're taking that to the extreme no. That's not because these things are happening. They're happening all around us, and I don't feel like anybody is doing anything to actually stop it. We are just fighting back and forth with gun control and, you know, limitation on guns. It doesn't matter about that. If people want to get a gun, people will get a gun.
1: Limit your alcohol consumption in public. If you're drunk, you're not going to be able to escape as good as you was. If you're sober and you're not going to be able to pay attention to to your surroundings. You cognitively be able to process what is
2: going on around you.
1: Yep. Be careful with your communication devices, okay? Make sure that you keep it on your person. Don't put it in your purse. Don't be like me and lay it beside you. <laughs> keep it on your person. That way you always have it because if things get real, if things start happening and you have to run away, you're not, you're gonna forget your phone and you're gonna forget that you even had it and you're gonna reach down in your pocket to grab it to call 911 and it's not gonna be there. Also, if you're hiding from someone, if you're hiding from the shooter, make sure that your electronic device is on silent. Because if somebody calls you and your phone rings, they could find you because the phone alerted the shooter to let them know where you was. Um, Make sure that you also know what to do when the police arrive. You need to understand that the police are there, first and foremost, to catch the killer.
2: And they don't know who that is right now. And they
1: don't know. So make sure that your hands are up and that you're not... uh, running towards them with a threatening nature.
2: Yeah, because you're you're going to be distressed. I mean, obviously, I, I could never sit here and say I would not, you know, be composed, but approach them in a manner that you know they understand that you are a victim at this point. You should learn
1: first aid basics. You should know if you don't know how to give CPR, if you don't know how to bandage a wound or or stop a wound from bleeding, you need to take those basic skill set. Classes to get certified in CPR, just in case something like that ever happens. And my good buddy of mine teaches classes like that, and I've been wanting to ask him if I could take those classes because you know the the world we're living in, Amber, is scary. Yep. And you don't know when. Or where it could happen, because people think, "Oh, it could never happen to me." Listen, it's happened in almost every possible place that it could happen—a nightclub where people dance. Yep. It happened in an elementary classroom where there's just little babies in there. Yep. So you need to have a plan. You need to have a plan. If if before you walk in, you should say, "Just in case the act of an active shooter comes in to this movie theater, here's my exits." Here's where I need to run. Here's where I'll get down if I need to get down. You need to have some type of plan in place. And it's not crazy to think like that anymore. No, it's not. Not anymore. No, it's not. It's not. But my heart goes out to those people who unfortunately lost their lives in that accident. And um, uh, may God be with them. Well, I think with everybody involved. And with everybody involved. And the family, they... Uh, Posted, you know, could you imagine the killer's uh, family, what they're going through? I mean, mean, that was somebody's.
2: That was somebody, somebody.
1: That was somebody, somebody. You know,
2: despite what he done, he was still somebody, somebody.
1: Yeah. So. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is about time for Off the Cuffs Song of the Week. So. Hopefully this gets you into a better mood as we transition into more (laughs) exciting and more uplifting topics. But I do think that was worth mentioning, and I do think it's important since I have this platform to let people know that if they're ever in a situation like that, that they need to have a plan and, and to be aware because it can happen. And please
2: don't forget, Mental Health Awareness Month was last month, but Mental Health Awareness should be every month. It should be every day. Every day. Every day.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, here it is, Off the Cuff's Song of the Week. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, that was Gorillas with their excellent song, Clint Eastwood. I don't know why they call it Clint Eastwood. It's, one of, it's another one of those songs where I don't understand why they call it <laughs> what they call it. But, ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back with our next segment here on Off the Cuff after these words. everybody to off the cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in the studio with me. Jeopardy is one of those shows you grow up watching. It's one of those shows where when you get a question right, you feel like a genius. You thought you were the Jeopardy master. You, I mean, one I, question. One question. I have went several times and watched Jeopardy and haven't got and didn't get one question right.
2: <laughs> Mine's probably more than several. <laughs> I mean, several
1: times. It's a great show. And it's really just a simple quiz show. Yeah,
2: it's just—it's it, honestly things that we should probably know already. And I think we just get caught up because you do have a time limit. I think that time limit gets you every time.
1: Jeopardy! James. That's who you know, and that's who you've been keeping up with if you've been watching Jeopardy! over the last several months. He was the Jeopardy Phenom, James Halzer. Did I say that right? Halzer. James Halzer. We knew he couldn't win forever, and we knew that his reign would come to an end. And it did if you watched Monday's show. Halzer had destroyed all of his opponents in his path. He won 32 straight games and set several single-game records. He had earned $2.4 million, just $58,000 short of Ken Jennings' All-time record for regular play. Now, Ken Jennings, if you don't remember him, he was the Jeopardy beast that won 74 straight games. 42. 42 more than Halzer had won coming into Monday's show. Okay, so Halzer led after the first round by early and double Jeopardy Emma Boetter? Boetcher? Okay. You know I'll butcher names. I know. But Emma Boetcher bet... All 7,600 of her stack on a daily double, she knew which city, beginning with the letter A, is home to the United States annual sailboat show. Do you know the answer to that? Uh, Ann Arbor? I don't know. I was hoping you would know oh. the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a really good educated guess. That's a really good educated I'm gonna guess. i to
2: have to look that up now.
1: The final clue was easy enough that everyone got it correct, and therefore Emma Boetcher is your new champ. Hawser ends at number two on the all-time money and wins lists for regular Jeopardy! games. So, if you guys watched the show one Monday, you saw that his reign, it did come to an end. And I'm going to play you the clip of when that exactly happened. But did you know that this episode of him losing, this much-anticipated episode of him losing, this episode got leaked? And I never thought this would happen to Jeopardy, that people would be
2: leaking footage. But here we are, 2019, leaking Jeopardy footage.
0: The line, A Great Reckoning in a Little Room, in As You Like It, is usually taken to refer to this author's premature death. You have 30 seconds. Good luck. Jay, we come to you first. You started slowly, but we 're coming on very strong in the double jeopardy round. You wound up at eleven thousand dollars, which is pretty good, but in third place, and you came up with who is Marlowe Christopher Marlowe? you are correct, sir, and you will add six thousand that bumps you up to seventeen thousand you 're hoping for bad things, incorrect responses from our champion and from Emma over to James now he had twenty three thousand four hundred, and his response was. Correct. His wager. A modest one for the first time. That takes him to twenty-four thousand seven hundred and ninety-nine. So Emma, it's up to you. If you came up with a correct response, you're gonna be the new Jeopardy champion. Did you? You did. What did you wager? Oh gosh, twenty thousand. What a payday. Forty and
1: just like that and just like that she is the new jeopardy champion and Halzer is out but does this woman not look like Amy McGrath uh
2: yeah she looks like, just <laughs> like Amy McGrath for a second i got I got confused i was like wait did they maybe put the wrong like a stock photo up when they put this <laughs> no I, I agree
1: she looked so nervous. It's well, when, like she knew she won, but she couldn't contain herself. It's like when you're playing poker, and you got that royal flush, and you don't know how to react because you <laughs> know you got the best hand possible. Or it's like playing Texas Hold'em and you got a pocket aces, and you don't know how to act. That's how she felt. Kinda of like you
2: when you won the jackpot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah And so she she was very excited to win. But just like that it is over. Ratings soared for Jeopardy. Ratings were out the roof. So it just goes to show when you have a guy consistently winning over and over and over, people are wanting to see can he do it again? Exactly. Can he do it again? We wanna it's a phenomenon. We wanna see can he keep going? How long can he go? And now Jeopardy! ratings are going to crash. But luckily, it is the end of the season for Jeopardy! And they'll be able to come back with some more fresh material. Alex Trebek, uh, hopefully, will be coming back and returning as the host. He announced a couple months ago that he had stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Pancreatic cancer, yes. And I've heard before that that's almost the death sentence.
2: Um, It's it's very harsh on your body but i think he actually announced um maybe 2 weeks ago that he, they think that he is in remission
1: but so they said with a, with a couple of more chemo treatments he is on the uh, upswing i don't know if you can actually say he's cured cuz is no. stage 4 ever cured well Cancer is very fickle.
2: I don't think that people fully understand cancer. Um, I will not go into it right now, but just make, you know, educate yourself on cancer. I don't know that it's something that you can beat, but I think to be positive for the people who do have it, it is something that you can contain.
1: Yeah. Well, James Halzer, you definitely made the last couple of months very interesting on Jeopardy. He was a sports gambler, and I think that's fascinating. His whole career was betting on sports games. And then he bet on himself, and he won pretty big, in my opinion. And he literally lives out in Vegas and does nothing but bet on sports games. And did you know that his wife, his wife, her name is Melissa Sawson. she is a tutor from Seattle, Washington, and she's also been on a game show. She was on Who Wants to Be a (laughs) Milner? And she won $28,000 off that show.
2: Who are these people?
1: <laughs> we need to meet these people. <laughs> I mean, just going on game shows and winning money? Teach me the way. However, I do know a guy who went on The Price is Right and won a car. Oh, I, we both know a guy who went on The Price is Right and won a <laughs> and, car. And I want him on this show so bad just to hear that backstage experience. <laughs> I want to know what it's like. But I have a few friends that I feel like are smart enough to go on Jeopardy and do well. I think Wiley could go on Jeopardy and Your do husband? well. Yeah, yeah he I, could do well. I really do. Now, I would never put myself in that situation to go on Jeopardy, to be humiliated, uh, because that is a show where you have to have a lot of book smarts.
2: You've got to have book smarts and at least enough confidence in what you're going to say to be able to actually speak it. I would go up there, know the answer, and probably say the complete opposite, because I'm nervous.
1: Speaking of book smarts and common sense there is something new being added to the curriculum for our public school systems and it's called adulting 101 it's can i still sign up for that it's been added to the (laughs) curriculum if you look up the word adulting in the dictionary you will see it explained as the accomplishment of mundane but necessary tasks I am all for this class being offered in public schools. I think it's something that should have been offered a long time ago. Some of the things that students will learn is they're going to be talking about uh, insurance, talking about retirement, learning how to open up a bank account, learning how to operate from your bank account, learning basic chores, uh, chores such as doing laundry and checking your oil and even changing your oil. In the vehicle, and they're making this a required class. Now, I don't know what states have picked up on this yet, but there are some schools that are adopting this as a requirement, so we're going to have to see how this goes. I'm all for it. I Uh, think 100% back this. I think that our curriculum needed to be revised a long time ago. Not only do we need an adult one on one class, but we need to have classes that are preparing students for things after high school. For instance, there needs to be an ACT prep course that's required for students, for seniors in high school to take. I think that it should be a requirement that instead of taking a silly Algebra 2 required class you should replace that with an ACT prep class or an SAT. Like have it for like a whole semester or like for a couple of weeks? Have it for a whole semester. You have to pay thousands of dollars to take those classes outside of school, those little ACT prep classes. Why not just offer them for free to the students? Do you think, though, that it should be an elective or do you think everyone should be required to have to take that? Because I could get behind an elective.
2: Yeah, um... I think that just kind of leads into, you know, you're taking ACT, SAT to prepare yourself to go to college. You know, that is going to be, you know, the big basis of whether or not you get selected into a college. So if you're not going to go to college and you know that this is not the route for you, then I don't think that you should have to sit through the ACT prep. So I would say more of an elective. But I think that there needs to be education about that. Because that's one thing that we do miss is that people push college when...
1: They don't really push vocational schools, things like that. College success is a class that most freshmen in college have to take their first semester of college. I think that's silly to take it while you're already in college. That needs to be taken. I do not
2: have this class.
1: That needs to be taken your senior year of high school. It's it's basically just a college 101 on one class. How do you study? How do you manage your time? How do you properly show up to class on time? I feel time? cheated. Seriously, we did not have that at Murray State. You didn't? No, we did not. You we, never you never had a Murray State one oh one type n- class? No, um because you know I
2: done psychology at Murray, but we had like a psychology, like here's what you need to know about psychology. And it wasn't it was just a pass fail, but that was the only like introduction that we had.
1: Should have been an eagle.
2: Well, I was a racer.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are gonna take our last commercial break and we will be right back with some more off the cuff. Yeah my favorite sport. Uh-huh. I like the way up and down the court. keep it so fresh on the microphone. I like no interruption when the game is Welcome up. back everybody to Off the Cuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Last segment of the hour, Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in the studio with me. Wow, the NBA playoff finals are officially underway. We have had three games so far, and it's been an exciting little series to watch. Amber, have you got to watch any of it? Um I just checked up on the scores, that was about it. Well, the Raptors The Raptors lead 2 to 1 so far in the series. Game 1, the Raptors won 118 versus the Warriors 109. Game 2, Warriors 109. Raptors 104. Game 3, Raptors 123. Warriors 109. So, Raptors ahead 2-1. to one. And Now, is, are the Raptors the team from Canada? Yeah, the Raptors okay. are the team from Canada. And the big story, really, about this whole entire series, let's be honest, it's Drake. Oh, yeah. Drake sitting on the sideline. All of his sideline antics. Did getting you s- stuff started. Getting stuff started. Did you see his shirt? That had Kevin McAllister on the back of it, and it had his hands clapped over his face, and it said, "Kevin, <laughs> no." <laughs> well, he was trolling Kevin Durant, who is out injured, so he was trolling. But yeah, Drake has had a few words with some of the uh, some of the players was from from the Warriors. Seen
2: he was trying to sell uh, Steph Curry's lint on eBay.
1: Yeah, he picked Steph Curry's lint out of his hair. <laughs> he, okay. he picked Steph Curry's lint out of his hair. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, he addressed Drake's antics, telling reporters before the series before the series game one, that the league office had conversations directly with Drake and his manager. And he says that, I think we ended up in a good place. So he is okay with Drake being on the sidelines, doing his thing. As, Look at the
2: attention that it's bringing, though. People, I think, were watching to see how he was going to act.
1: But Drake is probably the most annoying sports fan in the entire world. Just like the rest of us. It's just he's got a lot more money than we do. No, no, no. I think he's an annoying sports fan. And hear me out why I say he's an annoying sports fan. He's a fan of everybody. He's a fan of who's winning. He's a fan... Look back through videos. Look and see what party he was trying to crash when the... Heat when the Miami Heat won the NBA championship. He wanted to he was rooting for the Heat. He was party 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 all about the Heat. When the Cavs won, he was all about the Cavs. The Cavs Cavs Cavs. He's all about Kentucky Wildcats when they're doing good. Uh, and then when Yukon beat Kentucky in the championship that year, yep. he put on a Yukon shirt. Yep. I don't I think in sports. It's okay to be an annoying fan but if you're all about your team but what really is annoying is when you go from team to team to team to team
2: are you trying to say that Drake is clout chasing <laughs> <laughs> he is
1: but it's it's been interesting and I think people are tuning in to see what's happening with Drake and, and what he's going to do next I wish Kentucky had an NBA team
2: It would be fun. I I would go.
1: I do. Kentucky used to have a team in the ABA, uh, the American Basketball Association, and they were called the uh, Kentucky Colonels. They played in Louisville, and they were good. They actually won the entire thing in 1975? Yeah. So we've not had one since then, or... No, uh, see, they won the national champ. They they won their league's national championship. It was either in seventy five or seventy six, and that same year, the NBA their champion was the Warriors. Well, the coach from the Kentucky Colonels wanted to play the Warriors for like a world championship, yeah. but the Warriors refused. Huh? They didn't want to play Kentucky. Well, they didn't want to play Kentucky. They uh, the Kentucky Colonels were only one of the two ABA teams, along with the Indiana Pacers, to play for the entire duration of the league without relocating, changing its name, or folding. So it proves that NBA can, that Kentucky can last. Kentucky could bring an NBA team to the state, and it could last. It could be profitable. When the Grizzlies was in Vancouver years and years ago, before it went to Memphis, it was rumored that one of the possible locations that the Grizzlies was going to go to before Memphis was the final destination was Louisville. Okay. So Memphis, so the Grizzlies almost went to Louisville instead of um, Memphis. And the Sacramento Kings, they have been rumored before to be leaving, the Kings to be leaving Sacramento and relocating to Louisville. Okay. But I will say this. I will not root for... The team, if it's just a Louisville team, it's got to be Kentucky. It's got to be Kentucky as a state. Don't just make it the city team of Louisville. I don't want that. Louisville is. I don't think it represents the state. I think that people in Louisville they like just being Louisville. Yeah, and I think that if you just had a NBA Louisville team, I don't think you're going to get as big as a big as a following as what you could if you just made it the whole state's team. Yeah, so everybody can be involved. So I don't want it to be called the Kentucky Colonels, I think we should move past that and just call it something else. Maybe the Kentucky... I don't know. The Kentucky Gentleman? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that one, but... Who knows? But, uh, before I get off here, I just want to address this, and I've been going back and forth because I didn't know if I wanted to talk about this or not, but when I went into radio, I made a point to tell myself that when I get on here, I want to be completely honest with my audience. And I want them to be aware of the things that are going on in my life and my emotions and, and things that are happening. And I think it's just important for me to be real. And the other day, I uh, had something uh, very tragic happen. Uh, not really to me, but someone that I... Um, well, here's the story. I uh, When I first moved to Lexington... I didn't really know anybody, and I remember my first friend here uh, was a young man. I don't don't want to say his name over the radio, but uh, I I met him, and we were friends for a couple years. And we, you know, he was just a good friend of mine. But as you grow older, as you know, sometimes you go your separate ways. You separate. You lose contact. And I went a couple years without talking to him. And on Facebook, I was on Facebook, and I saw a suggested friend, and it was him. You know those little suggested friends that pop up? Those are all the people I've been trying to avoid. Well, I saw his profile, and I clicked on it, and I was like, I wonder how he's doing. I'm going to message him and see how he's doing, because I missed talking to him. And the very first thing that I saw when I clicked on his profile was his obituary. He died. And... I've been gathering up all of this information about how I, you know, possibly how he died because it's nothing is written in stone. I don't know if it was a car accident or if it was, a, if he was shot. I don't know. But what I've come to realize is that um, I, I believe it was suicide. I believe he killed himself. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because, one, it had been years since I had talked to him. It had been eight months since he had died, and he had been dead for eight months, and I didn't even know it. And I know this guy. I knew him well. I knew that he did have some depression issues, and his mental health was not in the best of shape. But I do want to say after this, because I've been having a really hard time dealing with this situation the last couple of days, but... I want to say this to people that have friends that you haven't spoken to in a while. If you're thinking of them, reach out to them. Say hello. Just check on them. See how they're doing. If you ever feel like that you see somebody that you know that might be struggling, reach out. Say hi. Ask them if they need anything. And you never know what people are going through. Everybody's fighting their own battles. Everybody is fighting their own battles. And the thing about depression is sometimes people are embarrassed to admit that they are depressed. But you shouldn't be embarrassed. It seriously is a mental illness that can be treated. And it's bad if you don't get help for it because it can only lead you down a, a worse you know, dark hole than what you're already in. So try to seek help if you have it. If you know anybody that deals with depression or deals with mental illness, then reach out to them.
2: And there are so many resources available. Um, The Suicide Prevention Hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. They are there. They do help. I've used them myself, and I encourage you, if you are having these type of feelings,
1: you know, reach out to them. Please. Please. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Cuff. Amber, always a pleasure to have you you in studio. It's always a pleasure to have you here. and It's always a pleasure to have everyone listening live at home and listening uh, from the app and listening from the Facebook live page. All of the ways that you can listen. Keep listening. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Adam Banks. That is Amber Turner. and This is Off the Cuff and I will see you in the next episode of Off the Cuff next Thursday from 4 to 5.